This morning, uh, what I have on my mind and hope to, to talk to you a little bit about is that idea of the knowledge that we have received in and through Christ Jesus. What a blessing it is to know the truth and the responsibility that it is to hold the truth. And there is much stated in God's word about that. First of all, we need to understand that what God's word is, is a communication of truth to a world that knows not the truth. And that's really found in its most clearest statement when Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says he's the way, the only way to the Father, who is the only one that matters. Because if we look to God's word or if we look to creation itself, it should be readily apparent that the only one of consequence, the only one that matters is the creator, God. The one for whom all things were made and by whom all things consist. And of course, we do need to be clear as the word of God is that there's no distinction there between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. Because the Trinity of the Godhead were equally involved in creation. And we see that when John begins his gospel saying, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and all things were made by him. In fact, without him was not anything made that was made. In the second Thessalonian letter, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, and he says in verse 13 of the first chapter, But we are bound to give thanks all way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. It's interesting how... Paul, by inspiration, ties all of this together as he talks about this church, this group of people who have professed faith in Jesus Christ. He says, we give thanks to God for you because you're beloved of the Lord. How do we know you're beloved of the Lord? Because God, from the beginning, chose you to salvation. But what does that mean? Through sanctification of the Spirit, through the change that he wrought in you and belief of the truth. Whereunto, that is unto belief of the truth, he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing how time after time the Holy Spirit deals with this idea of God's work in his people and he deals with it as a whole. From the beginning of time, from before the world began, all the way through glorification. We see that in Romans chapter 8. There when he says that God chose you in Christ Jesus. He, he chose you to be conformed to the image of his son. And he did that through predestination. He did that through calling. He did that through glorification and justification all wrapped together in one. And he speaks of that all in the past tense in that eighth chapter of Romans. Well, here he says unto the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is seen as a completed action because God ordained it. From the beginning, he chose you to this end, to this purpose. And in time, he, he sanctified you. And we've talked together in months past about the various instruments God uses in sanctification. His word, his gospel, his church, the fellowship of the saints. God sanctified you 
by the Spirit, through belief of the truth, He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of glory. Therefore, brethren, because all of this is true, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Hold the traditions that you've been taught. It matters what we do with what we've been taught. It matters how we apply the word of God that's been given to us. And it's interesting, Paul, in writing this, applies it in two ways. He says what you've been taught in word, that is the oral expression, the preaching of the gospel, or by our epistles. And here's Paul's endorsement of his letters as the word of God. We find another such endorsement there in, in Peter's writing as he closes out his first epistle and he talks about those, those things written by the Apostle Paul, the scriptures written by the Apostle Paul, hard to be understood as are the other scriptures. So this idea is that we've received something of God and it's something worthy of our attention, our diligence, and it's something that needs to be held onto something that needs to be retained, really at at any cost. It's of such great value. In the Corinthian letter, he says, we've received this treasure in earthen vessels, this treasure, this gift of God, this knowledge of God, this revelation of Jesus Christ, something we've received as in an earthen vessel. That is something that's, that's temporary, something that's breakable. Peter writes in his second epistle, chapter 3. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye, be, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, that you might be mindful, that you might take care, that you might hold fast. The idea is not just what we've received, but that we hold on to it because it matters that much. Jesus, as he was closing out his time here on earth, his physical presence here on earth, he spoke some last words to his disciples. Matthew 27 records them thusly. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Here again, we have a, a total package here. Jesus says, I have all power. He's declaring here his deity, his sovereignty. I am God. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go, go and teach everyone, teach all nations, go everywhere teaching, and you're supposed to teach some specific things. Go everywhere teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, baptizing them in the name of a triune God, establishing once for all the Trinity of the Godhead, this essential truth of who God is and why it matters. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them. Teaching who? Teaching all nations. And especially those who are believing, those who you are baptizing. Teaching them to observe 
all things whatsoever I have commanded you. How often do we miss that in the application of this text? There's a lot of teaching, a lot of preaching, a lot of going to teach the name of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of going to declare the the trinity of the Godhead and, and salvation by grace alone. There's a lot of teaching that's being done. But Jesus doesn't stop short with teaching his name, his person, or even salvation itself. He says teaching all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And not only that, but teaching them to observe. That is to pay attention and to apply all things whatsoever I've commanded you. You see, the command to go and to teach, the command to go and to baptize, it doesn't stop with baptism. It doesn't stop with profession. It doesn't stop with an assent to the name or the person of Jesus Christ. It goes farther than that. And it's why we're, we're commanded to assemble ourselves together regularly. Every time there's opportunity to come together to hear the preaching of the word, to share in the study of the word. Why? Because we're to observe all things that he's commanded us. And that's an application that's required in my life and your life daily. And it's something we never fully attain. And the Apostle Paul, he he nails that point home too. He writes to the Philippians and he says, Not as though I had already attained, but I press toward the mark of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm moving forward. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is still working that work of sanctification. Sanctification how? Through belief Of the truth. And the truth is bigger than one simple confession. The truth is bigger than one simple profession of faith. It's bigger than one simple even releasing myself from dependence on my own works. No, the truth is bigger than that. The truth is Christ in you every moment of every day. It's Christ's work in this world revealing himself in those whom he's called for his own. And Jesus says... You go and you teach all things whatsoever I've commanded you. But the confidence is here. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Jesus says, I'm not going anywhere. What a message that must have been for those apostles when Jesus is about to ascend into the heavens right there before their eyes. And they were stunned. Because Jesus said these words, lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. And then he went up out of their presence. And Acts chapter 1 tells us they were staring up into heaven looking after him. Until finally the angel came and said, what are you looking for? The same Jesus who you've seen go up, he'll come again in like manner. But he gave him a command. What was it? Go and teach. Teach all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then the scripture tells us again and again what? Hold fast to these truths. In the Colossian letter, Paul writes to a group of Christians whom he had never met face to face, but a people that he loved for the profession of their faith in Jesus Christ and for whom he had great confidence and great hope. He writes to them telling them to hold to that which they have received. To hold fast to that which has been communicated to them. Colossians chapter 2. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. And for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. 
that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. There's that trinity again. They've acknowledged the triune Godhead, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice he here talks about wisdom and he talks about knowledge as a treasure. And where do you find treasure? Naturally. You find it buried, typically. You dig for treasure. You mine the ground to find gold, to find silver, to find precious stones. In Jesus Christ are found all the treasures Everything that you could desire of wisdom and knowledge. He says, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. I don't want you to be beguiled. I don't want you to be distracted with enticing words. This word beguile, it's used a few times in scripture. One time it's used as speaking of Satan himself in the beginning. When he came to Eve in the garden and what did he do? He beguiled her. He turned her mind away from what was true by offering her a pale imitation, offering her something less that seemed to be more. Eve was there in the garden having all of the goodness that God had given to her with one command and one command only. Don't eat of this one tree because the fruit of that tree for you will be death. And Satan comes to her and does what? He says, look, God, God gave you this garden. God gave you all things and all the beauty of creation. And isn't this wonderful? Don't you want to eat of this one tree right here? Oh, no. God said we shouldn't do that. Well, why did God say that? God said that because he knows if you take of that tree, you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. God was trying to keep back something good from you. And she was beguiled. She was led astray. Well, Paul writes by inspiration to this group of Christians here at Colossae, and he says exactly that. He says, Jesus Christ has hidden within him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you're desiring understanding, if you need some truth, if you need some ability to comprehend something going on in your life or some strength to overcome some besetting sin, The place you look to overcome sin is to the word of God. The place you look for strength is to Jesus Christ. The place you look for understanding is to the truth which he has revealed in himself. Paul says, I remind you of this, lest ye be beguiled. Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Another place he speaks of enticing words of man's wisdom. Philosophies and vain deceits. There's a lot of things that are thrown up there into our troubled minds, into our troubled world that lead us away from the truth that is in Christ Jesus, the one in whom has hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this, he says, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He says, I am joying in your order. That is your right-mindedness, your right structure. You're following the word of God, and I don't want you to be turned aside. 
You see, it matters what we believe, and it matters that we hold fast, that we hold on to that which we've received, those words that are a gift from God. And maybe it goes back to that very word that's used again and again in Scripture, which you have received. You see, it's God's gift that we know anything at all. And our faith in Jesus Christ, that's not something that came from within ourselves. That's a gift as well. Because Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, brought life to that which is dead. Brought a sensibility to that which sensed no truth and no understanding. He turned us, literally, from darkness to light. John speaks of it this way. He talks about Jesus Christ as the light that came into the world. And the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness could not comprehend the light. It didn't desire the light. He came to his own. His own received him not. But then Jesus teaches Nicodemus this wonderful lesson about new birth. If you're born again, then you can see the kingdom of heaven. If you're born again, you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. And later in the same chapter, he says, what, I didn't come to condemn the world. I didn't come to condemn the world, but they're condemned already. Why? Because they believe not. On him whom he hath sent. But what about those others? Those who are not condemned? Well, their, their salvation, it's, it's manifest, it's made evident. Why? Because they believe. Why? Because they've received. The Corinthians experienced this, this manifestation, this revelation. When the gospel came to them in the preaching of the apostle Paul and they professed their faith in Christ. This educated elite group of people in this, this uh, modern city of, of southern Greece. The word of God came and Paul says it didn't come with excellency of speech or of man's wisdom. He said I didn't come to you with great philosophy. I didn't come to you with man's wisdom. That you might not stand, that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of the spirit of God. He goes on to say the natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him because they're spiritually discerned or understood. They were transformed by the word of God coming into their lives in power and they believed. So Paul writes back to him and he asks, why now would you act as though you hadn't received these things? In fact, he says you are too puffed up. Too full of yourselves. You're too excited about what you think you've obtained. I fear too often we as believers find ourselves in that very position. We're so proud of what we know or think we understand. Of who we think we are. Of our identity that we've claimed. And we fail to realize that our true identity is found only in the truth that we embrace. And the essential truth is that it's all about him. So Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, what, you are too puffed up. And then he asks the simple question that we ought to ask ourselves every single day. What have you that thou didst not receive? What do you have that you didn't receive? If you received it, it was a gift. And if it was a gift, then why are you bragging about it as though you had earned it? And the simple truth is, as we found in our text this morning, God chose you. Before the world began, he chose you to believe. He chose you to receive. He chose you in Christ Jesus. 
through the sanctification of the Spirit and through the belief of the truth. So, what do you do? Hold fast to that which you've received. Continue in that truth. Continue mining the depths of that wisdom and that knowledge. Seeking every day a closer fellowship, a closer unity, a closer identity with Jesus Christ. And by holding fast that word which we've received in the church of Jesus Christ, we fulfill our purpose, which is what? To point to Jesus Christ, to magnify his name. And as individuals, in doing what? Getting ourselves out of the way so that in us, the work of Jesus Christ is manifest. And that enables us to reach others. And in so doing, what do we do? We fulfill the command of Jesus Christ, which is what? Go everywhere, teaching all nations. And where belief is found, obedience follows. What is baptism? Baptism is a profession of faith. It's a declaration of belief and a commitment to follow. Why? Because as he says later in that Colossian letter, if you are dead with Christ, then you're risen with Christ. So rise and walk in newness of life. Walk in a different way. We need to understand the things we've received. They're precious. They're treasures. They're treasures which get more glorious every day with contemplation, with consideration, as we mine the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge that's found in him. And he's communicated himself through his word. When we talk about covenants in the scripture, we're talking about God's manifestation of himself. Beginning in the days of Adam, just after the Garden of Eden experience, Continuing all the way to Jesus Christ, who is the fullness of of God's revelation, the fullness of joy manifest in the New Testament scripture. So we have his word. We have his truth. We've received it. The word on paper is one thing, but many in the world read the word, memorize the word, learn the word. And through cultural appropriation and cultural expectation, many even profess faith in Christ through his written word. But it's just words on the page till the Holy Spirit works and applies that word and makes it seem what? Precious. Makes it seem to be the treasure that it is and begins to apply that word. So the command of scripture, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, all of a sudden means something to us. I need to study. Why? Because this word is going to take up residence in my heart and it's going to change my life. And I'm going to become a worker in the hands of God. An instrument in his hands, what? For his glory. And then we see that passion that is recorded in the scripture of those like Paul and Peter and Barnabas and others who, led by the word of God, saw their lives transformed. Saw an empty life of labor and no acknowledgement. Turned into a life that magnified God and that stands to this day as a testimony of his work. A work which those who observe said these are ignorant and unlearned men. And then commented, oh, but they've been with Christ. Oh, that that might be our experience, that 
our presence with Jesus Christ might be manifest and might transform us from those base things of the earth, the things which are despised, into treasures in the hands of Almighty God. Those earthen vessels containing something precious that would shine forth to his glory. Thank you for your time this morning. I pray the Lord will continue his blessing on our service.